0: And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome, welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. Ancient Sardis, the church of dead pretenders, will be our focus again today. We're about to see two truths. Number one, the nature of a Christian's worthy walk. And number two, the truth that a believer's name will never be erased from the Lamb's Book of Life. And now, with his message for this morning, our senior pastor, Robert Elliott.
1: And so when it says in our text that he will not erase your name from the Book of Life, he's saying emphatically that that will never ever happen. But don't use that as a license to sin. Don't abuse God's grace. Live a thank you kind of life to such a savior for such a great salvation. The church of Sardis, dead pretenders. Those who were not pretending walked worthy of their calling. They were being fitted for white robes and they were aware of their held tight salvation. I told you about Sardis' civic pride. History tells us they had a role in a register that was posted in the city, and every baby that was born in Sardis, his name or her name was written on the roll. But in the course of a life, if someone was a traitor to Sardis, someone was an embarrassment to the values of the city of Sardis, someone who broke the law was a criminal in the city of Sardis, they would expunge or erase the name of the person who had been on the city roll for those transgressions. There was a conditional acceptance to being a Sardinian citizen. And so the Spirit of God says, you know what happens in Sardis, how if you mess up, your name gets erased from the city roll." That doesn't happen in the Lamb's Book of Life. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Would you stand with me? We're standing to remind ourselves that God's word is not to make us smarter, but to make us more holy. I have some takeaways. Are you dead or alive? Not what do people think you are, what are you? Do you have signs of spiritual life like the cell phone ringing in the casket but you're still spiritually dead? Come to Christ for salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. Number two, those of us who know Jesus as Lord and Savior, how are our ears? Could they be dull? Are there obedience blockages in our walk with Christ right now? Where the Spirit of God, in a quiet, persistent way, based on the Word of God, has said, Do this, be that way, change, and we have a dull or a deaf ear. Let's not be that kind of a believer. Number three, for those of us who are in Christ for salvation, are we in any of the dangers that the church of Sardis was in? Incomplete good works well I used to help in that ministry but they don't need me anymore church has gotten bigger incomplete dead works where I shared Christ with her once at work but she wasn't that interested so I guess I'll never do that again incomplete good works my wife did this to me you expect me to forgive her incomplete good works my parents are so tough on me if they knew how hard it was to be a teenager nowadays they wouldn't expect me to do what they told me to do tonight Incomplete deeds puts you in danger. Forgotten doctrines. You know, in many ways, it's not what we've learned to be the truth of what the Bible teaches that's important. It's what we've retained, what we've remembered, and what we've put into life. The Lord doesn't want to have a Bible church like ours be a bunch of eggheads who have way more knowledge in our heads than practicalities in our lives. There's the danger of rationalized sins. We hold these sins like they're little newborn babies and we feed them and we keep them warm and we wouldn't let anything happen to them when the Spirit of God says that is offensive to the holiness of God. And then there's the danger that we just put off even thinking about the rapture return of Christ that he hasn't come in over 2,000 years, so probably not anytime soon. Really? If Christ's rapture return was imminent when the New Testament was written, and it was, then today it has never been more imminent in human history. Takeaways Are you gonna grab one and put it in your pocket? Walking worthy. When we know Christ is Savior, we walk worthy. In Europe, there are stone walls around many houses for security purposes. And in some of those walls, when the stone and the mortar is being laid and the mortar is not fully set up and hardened, they take broken glass bottles and shards of glass and put it on the top of the rock wall so that the sharp pieces are upwards so that anybody who would try to go over the wall to molest what's inside the walls of the house would be cut and discouraged, sort of like a primitive barbed wire. And what you'll see in Europe is some very clever cats who walk across the top of those kind of walls, missing all the sharp glass sticking up very, very carefully. That's the Christian life. That we walk very carefully through all the shards of glass and temptation and compromise, lost testimony that we can have. That comes from being in the book and being controlled by the Spirit and having accountability partners. Last takeaway to consider Have you really paused and thought about what the certainty of your salvation means? That you have a no so salvation and not a hope so salvation. It gives you humble confidence, it gives you stability. As Lorinda sang about a God who wipes up our messes. The first time. We make a big mess in sin. We don't have to fear if God says, one and you're out. God is a forgiving God because of Jesus' finished work on the cross. The certainty of our salvation prompts worship and service. The church in Sardis, dead pretenders. It reminds me, I've been learning about the church of Scotland because of our friends in Noakes being sent of God to be career missionaries to Scotland, uh, pray for them. The Church of Scotland used to be the, hot, the largest missionary-sending church in the world. The Church of Scotland used to send more missionaries to the foreign fields with the gospel of Christ than any other church. But do you know what's happened to the Church of Scotland? The Church of Scotland has stopped preaching the gospel, stopped teaching the word of God, welcomed in uh, societal compromises... And now the pews in the Church of Scotland, first they were dead with spiritually dead people, and now they've even left. And now churches in Scotland, 286 local churches of Scotland close every year. Close. That is a church per day, every day, for 9.5 months of the year. And the buildings that once welcomed spirit-enlivened worshipers and Bible students and missionaries for the world, now they're pubs and they're theaters and they're condominiums. Lest we look down our nose at Scotland, are we tending and edging toward that in America and Canada? I'm afraid we are. Last year, the Church of Scotland, last year alone lost 23,000 members. Studying for this message, I learned of a preacher who got saved while he was preaching about the gospel. He was up front, he had his notes, he had his study, he prayed to preach to his congregation, and as he told them the way of salvation, the Spirit of God convicted him right while he was speaking and preaching that you're not in Christ. And he trusted Jesus to be his savior right while he was preaching. The car was parked illegally, the man behind the wheel was dead. Let's be sure we're alive. Let's be sure we're about the king's business. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time in your word, for the sober warning about spiritual deadness. Lord, I pray that no one in this auditorium would leave spiritually dead, would run to Christ in faith, that they need help to trust the Savior, someone to witness their prayer, then help them to go to the chat room or to ask the person on either side in the pew just to Uh, hear them pray to the Lord uh, to confirm and to solidify that decision. For those of us who are alive in Christ, Lord, we desire to have full obedience, to walk worthy of our calling, and to be without blockages to obedience with your revealed will for us. Lord, fan into flame our aliveness in Christ. May this congregation be burning white hot with love for the Savior and concern for the lost. And we'll be careful to give you the glory and the praise for it. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's
0: people said, Amen. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers.
2: Good morning, this is Pastor Nicholas. And today we want to talk about forgiveness. And we'll talk about how, in our relationship with Christ, how Christ forgave us even when we wanted nothing to do with him. But I also want to think on our side, as we can consider a person who we may all think of in our own lives, who we can say we tried to befriend, we did all that we can to make that relationship work, but the relationship for some reason never worked because the people did not connect. Well, we can consider that even in our relationship with Christ, because I think so many times that we consider our relationship with Christ, Christ pursued us so many times in our own lives, but yet we wanted nothing to do with him. And I wanted you to think of a story that I, I came across, and I want you to think of your own life. And this is about a story about a woman named Mary Johnson whose son was killed by four gunshots during a gang-related altercation. Where basically, through the help of the detectives and through eyewitnesses, they were able to find the gunman, and they were able to lock the guy up for the death of her son. And it came a point where she was angry. She had so much anger in her life, and she did not know what to do and know where to turn, but the only thing that she could remember in her life was the forgiveness that God had given her. And so as a result, she showed that same forgiveness to her son's killer. And I want you to imagine that for a second as even a young person, when somebody does something to you, when you go through a time of trouble, when a friend says something bad about you, sometimes we get very angry. And some of those relationships are finished because of, of something that someone said. But here we see as, as a lady, a mother, her son was killed. And she knows the forgiveness that God had given her. So the only thing that she could do is to not be hating these gunmen, but she had to love them and to forgive them. What a testimony to think about. And as I consider even in my life and, and, and imagine someone doing that to my daughter, that would be a hard thing to do. Even as a pastor, it would be a very hard thing to do because, as I consider, that's a gift that God has given me. But we have to remember that in everything that we have, that God is sovereign. He's in control, and he has a purpose for it all. And as we consider that, if we think of our relationship with Christ. We need to consider what, what God says in his word in Romans chapter 5, verse 6. And we need to understand that in our relationship with Christ, especially for us who call ourselves believers, we need to understand that there were times in our lives where we wanted nothing to do with God. We thought to ourselves that we had it all together. We thought that, you know what, I don't, I don't need God at this point in my life. And a lot of us, even as young people, we think sometimes that, well, I, I can do that as I get older. But I'm sure you have been looking at the news and you've seen a 15-year-old being killed, a 16-year-old being killed, a 17-year-old, and the list goes on. And so we never know when our time has come. But we know that if we have the hope in Jesus Christ, we know that we have a hope that doesn't count on us, but it counts on Him. And I think that that's the greatest place to be. And this is what Romans 5 or 6 says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. We need to understand that we had no hope, we could do nothing for ourselves, and we have to understand that Christ came at the right time. It wasn't the wrong time. It wasn't just, oh, I'm going to do it this, this day. No, no, it was the right time. Christ died for the ungodly. You see, Christ did not come to this earth and die for the righteous or those who are rich or who, you know, think they have it all together. But he died for the ungodly. And verse 7 brings that point home. It says for this, for rarely will someone die for just a person, though for a good person, someone might even dare to die. Wow. Imagine that for a second. I want you to think of a time in your life when you could to really ask yourself this question that would you really die for someone you did not know? Or would you die for someone who did you wrong or who was, you know, who treated you badly? Because I think that we need to understand that this is what Christ is saying, that he died for a person who someone might not even dare to die for. But verse 8, it brings us hope. It says, but God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, we, when we wanted nothing to do with God when, God, when we wanted to pursue the world and do all that we can for the world, God said, you know what? I died for you. I love you. I showed you my love by my death. And we need to understand that as that is saying, there are two key words at the beginning of verse that it says, but God. You see, but is a small word, but in the, in the scriptures, it has such great meaning because we see what God did. We see a but in that because as we see at verse 7, it talks about how someone dies for a good person, but God died for us while we were still sinners when we wanted nothing to do with God. And like I said at the beginning, I talked about how we can consider that Christ would die for us, the helpless, the one with hope without hope, and he came at the right time. So I want to challenge you this morning as you consider this, as you are listening, to ask yourself this question, do you love God? Or do you have a relationship? What is it you're going through in life right now? Is it something that you feel like you have no guidance, no help with? Do you need to turn where you can have some hope? The reality of it is that we, all of us as believers, we can only find hope in Jesus Christ. As we consider what's going on around our our island and around the world, we need to understand that that's the only hope that we have. You know, this is being recorded at this time and just two weeks ago when an eight-year-old is being killed in his house doing homework. You know, when you consider that, that here it is, a a young boy is just minding his own business, doing what he's supposed to do, doing his schoolwork, and yet he gets shot in his home. What devastation. But we need to understand something that the only hope that we have is in Jesus Christ. And I would challenge each one of us as we are listening to this broadcast and as we think of our own lives that we would recognize that we all need Jesus. Whether we're going through times of trouble because we have to understand that times of trouble are around the corner if we're not going through a trial right now. You see, storms are not, we don't ask ourselves, oh, when the storm, is a storm going to come? But we need to ask ourselves, when is that storm going to come? And we need to understand that we have a God who is in control of this, who sees it before we even see it. And he has already proven his love for us. He has proven how much our hope is in him. Because he died for us while we were still sinners. You see, Christ didn't say, oh, get your life right and then come to me. No, he says, I loved you while you were still sinners, while you wanted nothing to do with me. That's when I loved you. And you see, I think sometimes in the church we have it all wrong because I think sometimes we expect people to come and to be changed already and we think that they're gonna be perfect, but re- reality is that none of us are perfect. If we're all honest with ourselves, as one, we all struggle with sin that even some people don't know about, but God knows. And what grace of a God who forgives us of our sin, no matter what we have done, He is there and He has proven His love for us. While we still sinners, Christ died for us. And now,
0: today's ministry spotlight. We are in the middle of a discussion between Pastor Elliot and Rhonda Darville of the Bahamas Godparent Center. We will resume from where we left off last week. You know, someone has said, and I
1: think it's so true, over 40 million American babies aborted Mm -hmm. since Roe v. Wade uh, in 1973. Who has been killed? That was going to be the, yes. the doctor and scientist that discovers the cure for cancer exactly. as an example. Exactly. You know, those precious babies that are now in heaven.
3: Exactly.
1: Who have we killed?
3: Yes. Uh,
1: what could have happened if they had been given life? Correct. But um, let's go on to something else here. Um, what have you learned through study or what have you learned through observation that are some of the negative uh, implications of a post-abortive Woman, what does she go through?
3: Each person is different, just how each pregnancy is different. So, each post abortive woman is different. Um, but many, 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 many suffer regret, mm-hmm. um, deep regret, depression. A lot of women try to kill themselves mm. when they fully understand what they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes a woman, she's had an abortion, and she now has another child. Mm-hmm. And so that child takes her back. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people block things out. Some yeah. women will block it out, yes. and they say, oh, I have no regrets. I have no issues. And then years down the road, it will surface. Mm-hmm. Um, I have spoken with a number of psychologists, and you will find a drug abuse Alcohol abuse, mm. promiscuity mm. will be some of the things that are happening because now we're self-medicating the pain. Mm. And so how do I self-medicate the pain? So we see a lot of that here, uh, drug abuse, alcohol abuse mm-hmm. in men and women. Yes. Men and women because men know, well, she brought the baby. Oh, I made her bought the baby. And so you can't live with the thought of that, the pain of that. And it is a pain because as a pregnant woman, your mother, knowing that she's carrying your child, you know, I'm a father. Yes. Mm-hmm. That should be the safest people. They should be the people to protect you the most. Absolutely. And so when that doesn't happen, there has to be has to be repercussions for those thoughts. You see, and so and, and again, what will happen is that some people won't reveal that that's the issue. I know I of know persons who for 13 years, they've been working with a psychologist or a psychiatrist, But they never once mentioned the abortion.
1: Wow. So
3: they're medicating all these things, thinking it's all of this. And then they come to us because they're like, hey, I don't even know. I said, but you've been working with somebody for all these years. I'm (laughs) post-abortive. And I didn't say. That's it. And that's the key because they're ashamed. They're ashamed of what they've done. They don't want anybody to know that. You see, and so that's the one major thing that will send people down a road of deep depression, suicidal attempts, adultery in your marriage, broken marriages, divorce. Why? Because it's a psychological issue that you can't even begin to wrap your mind around. Lots of times, person will accept, Okay, God's forgiven me, but they can't forgive
1: themselves. Mm, so key. Yeah, Satan is a liar, among other things, a liar, accuser, and a murderer. Exactly. And uh, part of his lie for not just this sexual immorality but other sin is that he switches the price tag on sin so that he makes us try to believe we can afford to pay for that sin. We can afford that. That's right. But the price tag on any sin is always bigger than Satan presents. The other thing I'd like to say is that... um, as I know you believe, First uh, John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, <laughs> yes. he, God, is faithful, faithful and just to, to forgive us our sins, sins and to cleanse us sins. from all unrighteousness. unrighteousness. He's faithful. He's yes. not fickle. One day he doesn't forgive and another day he refuses to forgive. He's faithful yes. and he's just. That yes. means there's a judicial basis upon which he forgives. It's the finished work of Christ. Yes. It's the shed blood of Christ yes. on the cross. So... Um, if we are if we will confess say the same thing as God says yes. about any sin, he's faithful and he's he just to forgive us our sin and, and to cleanse, cleanse us from, from all unrighteousness. Yes. amen.
3: Another aftershock too some women can't have children mm-hmm. Sometimes those procedures will damage mm-hmm. a woman uh, or biologically we've been only given so many, eggs. Yes, that's
2: right. (laughs) And so
3: you don't know. Mm -hmm. So you've aborted once, twice, Mm -hmm. but the reality is you were only given a certain amount. Right. People don't understand these things. Mm -hmm. You see, there's so many facets, you know. So yes, we believe in the faith-based aspect, but we also believe in the science. Absolutely. And people don't understand the science. And then if they don't have a child later down the road, again, that's where the the shame and the guilt Mm -hmm. really, really play on them.
0: That's all the time we have for today. We'll pick up from there next time, Lord willing. For more information on the Bahamas Parent Center, you can phone them at 698-4306. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here, at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com That's eocradio at gmail.com Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliott. The question from Romans chapter 2 verse 5, But because
1: of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Question. Are unbelievers really lost? apart from faith in Christ. The main point of Romans chapter 1, verse 18, all the way through Romans chapter 3, verse 20, is that unbelievers are lost and face God's righteous judgment apart from saving faith in Christ. Paul emphasizes that this is true of Gentiles. See Romans 1, 18 to verse 32. It's true of morally good people. See Romans 2 verses 1 through 6. It's true of Jewish people. See Romans two seventeen through chapter 3 verse 8. And in fact, it's true of all mankind. See Romans chapter 3 verses 9 through 20. Paul sums up his main point of this first section of Romans in Romans 3 verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul makes it clear that God is not unfair in judging unbelievers. See Romans 1 verses 18 and 19. God has revealed himself through his creation so that the truth of his existence and divine attributes is clearly evident. See Romans 1 verse 19. On the basis of this general revelation, the world is without excuse in its rejection of God. See Romans chapter 1 verse 20. God promises that there will be a day of wrath and revelation of his righteous judgment. See Romans chapter 2 verse 5. Paul insists that this judgment will be without partiality. See Romans 2 verse 11. Paul's teaching concerning the way of salvation corresponds to the words of Christ, quote, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's John chapter 14, verse 6. The encouraging thing for us to remember is that Jesus died for the sins of the world and his provision of salvation extends to all who will believe. No one is eternally lost apart from his or her personal decision to reject God and God's self-revelation. Those who respond to this general revelation will receive further light from God, see Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, and they will have an opportunity to receive salvation in Christ,
0: see John chapter 6 verse 37. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com That's eocradio at gmail.com or Box N1684 Nassau Bahamas and remember everyone needs a savior.